Today we are reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 through 50. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us hear where the Holy Spirit leads us on this day. You may be seated. Last week, we began this sermon series around the Lord's Prayer, and Pastor Sharla uncovered the meaning behind the opening phrase, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. She revealed that this opening phrase aligns us with God and the things that are part of this incredible treasure that is both intimate in the word Abba, or Father, and yet set apart and hallowed. Today, we will be discovering details about this next phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And we are looking at the Gospel of Matthew to help us understand this concept of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. I want you to know those phrases can be interchanged and they mean the exact same thing. And so I want to look at these three parables from Matthew that Jesus just kind of shoots out one after the other. Um, so often we yearn for Jesus just to lay it out easy so we can understand, but yet we get these beautiful stories that seem to reveal more and more and more um, as we consider them. So we have the treasure, the pearl, and the net. And so there's a few things I want you to notice about these parables. The first is that they are completely unique to the Gospel of Matthew, which means we don't find them in the other Gospels, the Synoptics, or the Gospel of John. And so I want to remind you, what do we know about the Gospel of Matthew? The thing that we know that is consistent throughout the Gospel of Matthew is that this Gospel, in particular, is always drawing a line from the Hebrew Scriptures to Jesus, who fulfills those prophecies and Scriptures that are claiming that the one who will come will be the Messiah. And so in Matthew, we hear over and over again these lines that are drawn between the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, and this understanding of who Jesus is and what his role is in the world. 
And so usually when we discover scriptures that are only found in Matthew, they fulfill this purpose as identifying him as Messiah. So it's fascinating to me that here we get this teaching of Jesus that is so different, that is about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. All three of these parables begin with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is, which gives us the intent of the author to make sure that we understand what the kingdom of heaven is. It also puts the kingdom in the here and now. If the author had written, the kingdom of heaven will be, then we could understand that that's something out there in the future, not the here and now. Or maybe in the next realm, when we get to heaven, then we would know that that is something that is not happening in our lives or in this moment. But instead, we get this tiny word, is. And it changes everything. Because the word is, compels us to this understanding that Jesus is saying, I'm talking about right now, the here and the now, not sometime in the future, not in the glory of heaven, but right now. It's not some far off future heavenly hoped for event, but is God's transforming, transcending Holy Spirit presence right in the here and now. The third thing that I want you to notice is in each of the parables, something is hidden, and then it is revealed to us. Jesus tells us that they, once the person discovers the treasure in the field, they sell everything they have and buy the field. When they look through the, who knows, hundreds of pearls and they find one of great value, they sell everything they have and buy the one, one pearl. And the fishermen cannot see what is below the water at all. They have no idea what they're going to pull up. And they cast the net, and they bring up so many fish, they can literally discard some of them. And so it makes me think, and I hope it reminds you, of that story where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and he says, what must I do? And Jesus says very simply, Sell everything you have and follow me. And the thing we know about the rich young ruler is he cannot. He walks away. He walks away that from the treasure, the one thing that could have transformed his life in a way that he never could have considered. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Outside of the parables, I want you to realize that this language of kingdom is very political. Jesus isn't just telling the parables to teach us about abundance or commitment. He is literally stirring things up about the kingdom. Kingdoms are radically and politically very different from the reality in which the listeners are participating. Author Retta Finger wrote this. She said, this is a radically political statement. It is Jesus's alternative to the Roman Empire. It is asking God to set up God's reign here on earth instead of the martial, stratified, and repressive reign of Caesar. The word kingdom is used here because the statement is political. 
There is no alternative term that could have been used here. Even though God's reign through Jesus is radically upside down from Caesar's, it is not at all imperialistic or martial law. As Americans, we sort of have a fascination with royalty and kingdoms and queens. And if you look at the movies that you could rent, it's incredible how many of them have a prince or a princess, even Disney, all of the princesses and the hope for royalty. And so we don't politically understand that in our country, but we are people who create our own little kingdoms. I have a friend that refers to the little kingdoms in her house as their nests. They feather their nest and they fill it with things that they enjoy. And we do that as well. We surround ourselves with the things that bring us comfort or pleasure. We often befriend people who are like us, who think the way we do, who agree with the things that we agree with. Because the reality is, it is so much easier to surround ourselves with those kind of folks than it is people who would make us question and consider and rethink the things that we believe. We don't really want to have to wrestle with our understanding of something from a different point of view or broadening our understanding even to the point that some of us live in neighborhoods where we put little gates on the kingdom and we keep people out who we don't think belong there. And so as I considered this language of kingdom this last week, I really thought about what would the kingdom of Heather be like? And so some of you may have heard of the artist Mary Inglebright. My mom used to have some of her things and she had drawings of the queen of everything. And so my queendom or kingdom of Heather, if I could have anything in that kingdom, what would it be? And because I have a little bit of an addiction to Dr. Pepper, my first thought was, in my kingdom, it would have no calories and it wouldn't be bad for anyone. And I could drink it in abundance instead of limiting myself to one a day. Also, in my kingdom, somebody else would clean my house and make my bed. Because I have to confess, I don't do that make my bed unless company is coming over and they might see it in my room. When I was in Salisbury, England for 10 days on the John Wesley pilgrimage, one of the things I discovered was I couldn't go to the pound store and buy things in a certain time because everything shut down. Even the pubs shut down for dinner. The restaurants closed and people believe it or not, all went home and they had dinner with their families. And so I love that even though it was super annoying at the time because as an American, I'm conditioned to believe things should always be available to me whenever I want them. And so I decided in my kingdom, people wouldn't have to work on the weekends or, and they would have time off for dinner with their families, which made me start to think bigger and then I decided that in my queendom, that all of the children would be loved and fed and cared for and educated, right? Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be an amazing place to live? The queendom of Heather. 
And as I went down that row, I decided, why not go ahead and pay women the same as they pay men for their jobs, right? I, <laughs> and now I'm meddling, as preachers do sometimes. But to be honest with you, I've been on the receiving end of that, where someone less qualified than me was paid more. Um, I've been turned down jobs where they actually said to me, we really want a man. And so in my kingdom, or queendom, that wouldn't happen anymore. I'm tired of it, waiting on it. And I could go on and on and on, right? But these are all things that I care about. These are about me, my wants, my desires. All the rules that I would create would be centered on Heather. Heather's will be done. That's a scary place. <laughs> but that is not what Jesus is teaching us. That is not what we are being told to pray by Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This kingdom that we are called to enact in the here and now is God's kingdom ruled by God's will. In Lord Teach Us the Lord's Prayer in Christian Life, Pastor Charlotte gave me this quote. The Lord's Prayer defines a specific reality, the kingdom of God. By praying for its arrival, this prayer has an eschatological lean to it. That means looking to the future. It's a, I had to learn that word in seminary. Giving a sense of expectation and yearning. Kingdoms have boundaries. You are either in or you're out. Baptism is our initiation into the kingdom. And it means we must forever reject those other kingdoms which court us, the kingdoms of the world. In saying, your kingdom come, we are acknowledging that faith in Jesus is not simply an idea or an emotion it is a concrete reality in which we are to become part or else appear to be out of step in the way that things are. Now that God has come into the world in Jesus, every time we pray these words, we're praying that the things that were revealed about God through Jesus will come into being we are praying that this new upside-down reality where the poor are valued, children matter, the outcast is brought into community, forgiveness is abundant, people love each other and they love God, becomes real in the here and the now. We are being called into action in these parables. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Not Heather's will, or Charlotte's will, or Larry's will, or Jim's will, but God's will be done. Are we committed? to building the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven? Or are we simply consumers who want to make this our own little kingdom? 
Do we really believe the things that Jesus teaches and calls us to? Or do we just want to come to church and feel good about ourselves and each other? When my brother got his first job out of college, I'll never forget, he called me. And I've told this story before, so I apologize if you've heard it. He called me about six months into his first grown-up job where he, decided, he learned it was a cutthroat place to work. And he calls and he says, Mom and Dad raised us to be too nice. He's like, other people are not following the golden rule, right? But we had been taught, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's why we were too nice. My parents took it seriously. They raised us and taught us that these things matter. That it was our job to live that way, to be that way, to encourage others to grow in their faithfulness, to think that what Jesus teaches is real in the here and now. So we have to ask ourselves, what kind of commitments or alliances or even possessions are holding us back from this greatest treasure? We can all name people who gave up everything to live out for the kingdom of God. People like Martin Luther, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., Dietrich Bonhoeffer, John Wesley, more and more I could go on and on. Each of them discovered this treasure that was the reign of God. And they started one day at a time prioritizing the will of God as revealed in the teachings of Jesus. And they fully committed to pursuing this kingdom to letting God's will reign their lives. To, they never set out to be great Christians. They weren't hoping that someday they would be quoted in sermons or lifted up as saints. That isn't what they were doing at all. They simply oriented their lives around the gospel message. They committed fully to the treasure that had been revealed to them. And if you're like me, you're going, there's no way I can live up to that. That's a hard ask, Heather. And so I want to leave you with these encouraging words from Barbara Brown Taylor, who said this. If we want to speak of heavenly things, Jesus seems to say we may begin by speaking about earthly things. And if we want to describe what is beyond all words, we may begin with words we know, such as man, woman, field, seed, bird, yeast, bread. Words like treasure and net and sea and fish and joy. These are the places to dig for the kingdom of heaven. These are the places to look for the will and the rule and the presence of God. If we cannot find them here, we will never find them anywhere else. For earth is where the seeds of heaven are sown. And their treasure 
is the only one worth having. I want you to consider this day. If your life is committed to your own wants and desires, or if maybe you have discovered this treasure that comes from following Jesus' lead for the kingdom, a kingdom that is marked with justice and mercy and grace and even love. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray with me this prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.